Tiki Hut Media. Pop the top on your favorite beer or whatever you drink from Tiki Hut Media. This is Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Hello, welcome into Soul Ramblings Podcast. I'm Jerry Wicker, and this week, got a, a pop in the top on a Guinness. I'm enjoying a Guinness. I like a good Guinness every now and then. And this past Sunday, I filled in for my good friend, Pastor Kim, over at Emmanuel United Methodist Church in Bradenton, Florida. Got a link to their church in the show notes of this episode. I was given the honor of filling in the pulpit on this past Sunday. It's about passionate worship. We've got a lady that is a member of that church. Her name is Gayla. She'll be reading our scripture, which is Psalm 84 from the New International Version. Got all of that coming up. Invite you to pop a top on your favorite beer, whatever you drink, and enjoy that. We'll be right back and have that scripture reading and then right into the sermon on the Soul Ramblings podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. The law firm of Becker and Lindauer worked tirelessly to make sure drunk and impaired drivers are held responsible for the wreckage they cause. Incredibly, Florida does not mandate that all drivers carry bodily injury liability insurance. As such, Florida has one of the highest uninsured motorist populations in the country. Many drivers carry only minimal coverage, providing only a fraction of the protection needed by those they injure or maim. If you or a loved one were injured as a result of negligent conduct of an uninsured or underinsured motorist, the team at Becker and Lindauer can help in making sure your legal rights are protected. With over 45 years of combined experience, call today for a free consultation. Area code 941-567-6728. Again, 941-567-6728 or visit their website. The link is in the show notes. Our scripture this morning comes from the 84th Psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Almighty God, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appear before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. 
the word of God, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of these our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. I'm a bit of a language nerd. Uh, my my wife has called me a grammar Nazi before because I am constantly nitpicking people's grammar. And I, as a matter of fact, am guilty. I, I know I'm supposed to be walking on to perfection and, and uh, holy and all of that, but I admit in church this morning that I struggle with judging people based on how they talk. <laughs> and one of the things that always gets on my nerves are these things called oxymorons. Oxymorons, two words that are put together that are conflicting. They conflict with one another. Things like jumbo shrimp, plastic silverware. I've never understood that one. Extended deadline. If there's a deadline, how's it extended? An honest crook. Some of those in Washington. Well, I don't know about the honest part, but free with purchase. A gourmet hamburger. Evaporated milk. That one took me a minute. All of these words, when used together, they contradict one another. But this morning, I want to share one more oxymoron with you that really should not exist. Boring worship. Boring worship. There's been survey after survey about why people don't come to church. The number one reason that they give is that they believe church is boring. Worship services are boring. Folks, uh, true worship is anything but boring. The very essence of what worship is does not allow us to be bored in worship if we come before the Lord and truly worship. A good friend of Beth and I, a friend of ours from Tennessee, we're originally from Tennessee, we've been in Florida now for about eight years, a little over eight years, but she always said, uh, and I believe it's absolutely true that there's this God-shaped hole in our, in our very being or a God-shaped void. Every one of us have it. And it cannot be filled with anything or anyone other than a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I believe that's very, very true. And we come together to worship. We are filling that God-shaped void, that God-shaped hole in our being. We don't come to worship to kind of squeeze God into our lives or something to check off on our to-do list. Instead, we come to seek to meld God into our, our lives, into God's, really. And there can be nothing more exciting than that. How awesome is that? 
The writer of Psalm 84 that Gala read is obviously very passionate about worshiping God. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Mm. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. That psalmist seems to just burst forth, hardly able to contain himself. Have you ever felt yourself so excited about worshiping God that you were hardly able to contain yourself? Have you ever been that passionate about worshiping Jesus Christ? God uses worship, and I mean corporate worship. Worship with other believers, non-believers, whomever. All, worship with all as the body of Christ. God uses that to transform lives, heal wounded souls, renew hope, shape decisions, provoke change, inspire compassion, and bind people to one another. You see, we're not just here this morning to worship God, which we are, but it also binds us together. Binds us together. God, through Jesus Christ, actively seeks relationship with us through worship. Just think about what we're missing when we decide not to come and worship God. Now, I know in these times that we've had over the past year and a half, or if you're like me, it seems like 50 years, but uh, over the past year and a half, we have not been able to worship Him person as much as we did before all of this started happening. And I can tell you from my experience, if I'm not in worship, whether online or in person, in corporate worship, by about Tuesday, I'm feeling the effects of that, and it's not good. I can feel the disconnect beginning to happen. Has that happened to you? It has happened to me. We're missing something when we do not worship God. From the earliest accounts of faith, people gathered to pray, sing, listen for God's word, and share in the common meal. And didn't Jesus say, I believe I, believe I remember him saying, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. When we worship, we practice the highest command Jesus has taught us, which was... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. Worship bends, bends our hearts toward God. And at the same time, it stretches our hands outward toward others. From our psalm this morning, the writer describes an eagerness for a relationship with God in worship. He says, My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I find it interesting. That's the New International Version. 
and Beth and I were discussing this morning, I find it interesting there are other translations. The one I use most frequently is the New Revised Standard Version. And it words that verse a little bit differently. Instead of saying, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God, the New Revised Standard Version says, my heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. And that got us discussing before we came to church this morning. Crying out, singing for joy. Hmm. It's two sides of the same coin. We, yes, we come to worship to sing for joy, to celebrate our risen Savior each and every Sunday. But there are Sundays we come and we cry out, do we not? We live in a world with, filled with people whose hearts and even flesh are crying out for the living God each and every day. Think of the number of folks who take their own lives every year, especially young people. Their hearts and flesh were crying out for the living God. Think of the people who drown themselves with alcohol or numb themselves with drugs. Are their hearts and flesh not crying out for the living God? Trying to fill that God-shaped hole, that God-shaped void in their lives with something that will not last. Think of the people who try and find happiness in, in things like bigger houses or more expensive cars or clothes or what have you. Their hearts and flesh are crying out to fill that void, that God-shaped void in their very being. These people live next door to us. They are our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates. They may not even be aware of their need for a relationship with God. Where are they going to learn that people are most blessed when we are ever praising God? Where are they going to learn that? They learn that from us. The psalmist writes, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. A question to ask ourselves is, where is my strength? Is it in God? Blessed are those, the psalmist said, who have their hearts on pilgrimage. In other words, this Christian faith, we come here every Sunday, this is not just a once a week activity. This Christian journey is just that. It's a journey. It's not a destination. Oh, we begin the journey when we make a commitment to Christ, and we probably can all remember when that happened in our past. But the pilgrimage continues throughout our lives as we continually come together and find strength upon strength through worshiping God in community. Are our hearts, Emmanuel United Methodist Church, are our hearts on a pilgrimage with God? Are we continuing to walk in this Christian journey? Is worship our passion? Is our worship passionate, alive, authentic, fresh, and engaging? Are we honest before God and one another? Do we come to worship God with an openness 
to God's presence, truth, and will for our lives? If something happens in worship that may be off script, maybe not follow the run sheet or the bulletin, do you guys still use bulletins here? Yeah, we, we don't either. You remember bulletins? Any, everybody remember bulletins? You remember it had the order of worship in there. And we're, we're Methodists. We have a method for everything, right? Oh, Lord have mercy if something happened that went, uh, went off script. Especially when I was younger, I remember those. But if, if God shows up and his presence and his truth and will is revealed in the midst of a worship service and it goes off script, are we open to that? You know, many times, and I'm not being judgmental here because I have been guilty of it myself. So I, when, I'm, when I'm saying this to you, remember, I'm pointing at you, but I've got three fingers pointing back at me. I've been guilty of this. <laughs> have you ever come into worship and you come in with the attitude of maybe a movie critic? The attitude of a movie critic? I mean, we rate the sermon. We rate the one giving the sermon. The prayers. The music. That's a biggie. That's a big, I didn't like that song. I didn't know that song. I've done it. <laughs> it's all according to some internal scale that I have. But worship is about a community of faith gathering to interact with one another and with God. We aren't supposed to be like the bunch of strangers sitting at a movie giving our opinion. We are all part of the worship experience. The one delivering the sermon, the music director, the prayers that are prayed. It's not, it's not a show being performed. We are all the congregation and everybody is participating. It's a worship experience. Let me ask you, and you answer this for yourself. Maybe take this in prayer to God. You and he discussed this. But when you sang this morning, did you make a joyful noise unto the Lord? Or did you just look at the words and kind of lip sync? Hmm. When it was time to pray, did you really fervently pray? Or did your mind drift off to what you're going to have for lunch after church today. When the scripture was being read, did you listen intently and carefully or just kind of read along? You see, our experience of worship begins with the attitude, the spiritual eagerness and passion we bring with us. It begins, worship begins on Sunday morning, not at 9.30. Worship begins when you get up on Sunday morning before you ever get, when you have that first cup of coffee or whatever you have when you first get up in the morning. That's when worship begins. We get our minds right before we ever get here. That's when it begins. And John Wesley, in front of our Methodist hymnal, gave directions for singing, and I think this is 
good for directions for worship as well. This is from 1761, and John Wesley minces no words in the hymnal here. This is what he says. Directions for singing. Learn these tunes before you learn any others. Afterwards, learn as many as you please. Number two, sing them exactly as they are printed here without altering or mending them at all. And if you have learned to sing them otherwise, unlearn it as soon as you can. <laughs> Number three, sing all. See that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. If it is a cross to you, take it up, and you will find it a blessing. Number four, sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. Number five, sing modestly. Do not bawl so as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation that you may not destroy the harmony, but, to strive, but strive to unite your voices together so as to make one clear melodious sound. Number six, one I have trouble with because I'm not musically inclined, sing in time. <laughs> Whatever time is sung, be sure to keep with it. Do not run before nor stay behind it, but attend close to the leading voices and move therewith exactly as you can. And take care not to sing too slow. This drawling way naturally steals on all who are lazy, and it is high time to drive it out from us and sing all our tunes just as quick as you did at first. And then finally, number seven, above all, sing spiritually, and I think this is important. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. And he goes on to say, aim at pleasing him more than yourself or any other creature. In other words, in how we sing and pray and how we greet others and how we approach the sacraments, passionate worship begins with our love for God, our desire to open ourselves to God's grace, and our eagerness for relationship to God. So what kind of attitude and eagerness do we bring with us each week to worship? What each one of us brings to worship shapes the experience for everyone else. Have you ever come to church and been around what I call a negative Nancy? Gail and I were talking earlier. She mentioned how what a beautiful morning it is this morning. And it is. And the thought occurred to me uh, years ago, Beth and I went to a church with uh, the negative Nancy. Uh, Beth referred to her as heavenly wallpaper, or not wallpaper, but sandpaper, sandpaper. She, uh, you know, sweet lady, but she could not find anything positive to say about anything. And I mentioned to her, it was a morning much like this, I mentioned to her one time, I said, Oh, it's a, it's a beautiful morning. And she said, yeah, it's raining somewhere, though. <laughs> you ever been about around people like that? Yeah. That affects the worship experience for everyone. The attitude we bring affects everybody else. If we come with a joyous, passionate, expectant attitude, that's infectious. If we come with a 
Negative ho-hum attitude, that's infectious. Passionate worship begins with each one of us. And one way to deepen the experience of worship is for each one of us to actively prepare our hearts and minds and souls before ever, not only walking through these doors, but before we ever leave our driveways. Nothing reinforces corporate worship more than a relationship with God through Christ, which is lived out each and every day. And nothing keeps that relationship fresh and exciting more than a vibrant, personal, devotional life. Spend time with God every day in prayer. I read the upper room. It takes less than 10 minutes in the morning. Whatever works for you. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And worship keeps us connected to our source, the vine, and enables us to grow in Christ. And just as in the early church, God adds to our number day by day. Because we as worshipers naturally invite those with whom we have other things in common. We all have a role in passionate worship here at Emmanuel. An hour of passionate worship changes all the other hours of the week. When we regularly and in community practice passionate worship, God gives us more and more of an interpretive lens through which we are able to view the world through His eyes. Bad things will still happen, but it's amazing what happens when we look at the situation through his eye. What better way is there to make disciples of Jesus Christ and transform the world? And there is nothing, no thing more exciting than that. There is nothing boring about that. We, like so many who have lived before us, are groping for that relationship with God to fill that God-shaped void, that God-shaped hole. And there is no place on earth to find and foster that relationship than in the midst of God's own people as they passionately worship Him. As we close this morning, we are going to be singing, I believe, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Yes. I invite you as we sing this this morning to follow. John Wesley's advice. Sing lustily and with good courage. Be aware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift your voice in strength above all. Sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing Him more than yourself or any other creature. God is calling every one of us at Emmanuel United Methodist Church into passionate worship. Would you do that as we sing this morning? Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Offered to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
as we leave this morning, receive this benediction. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things as we leave here and throughout the rest of the week. Amen. Be sure to like the likes, share the shares, you know what to do, and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you so much for the gift and privilege of your time today. Until next Wednesday on the Soul Ramblings Podcast, I'm Jerry Wicker. Grace, peace, cheers. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.